The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear a brilliant marketer talk through the strategy, framework, and tactics used to elevate their brands to new heights. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. Here we are. Rebrand Podcast is back. We're just going to have fun. We're going to learn all things email marketing for the next couple of episodes. I'm your host and founder of the Harky Group, Scott Harky. And today we're going to hear about how brands can thrive long-term by focusing on relationship building. What the hell am I talking about? Well, we're going to get into it with Tarzan K, who is a writer and email marketing teacher at Tarzan K Global, which teaches businesses how to write story-driven marketing emails that subscribers actually want to read and have fun while doing it. So today, Tarzan and I are going to discuss why brands should focus on nurture over acquisition. Here's my conversation with Tarzan K, the writer and email marketing teacher at Tarzan K Global. All right, let's get into it. Well, I know you and I are just excited to like, get into topics on marketing and email marketing and whatever else, but I'd love to hear a little bit more just quickly about your background and how you got into the segment that you've explored into this kind of email marketing space. Okay, well, I started out as a copywriter, and that's still a lot of what I do. Like, I always wanted to be a writer and then found I could actually make money at it as a copywriter and quickly realized that emails are like my preferred way to communicate with my customers. I don't do any social media in my business. I did in other iterations of my business where I had more support, but I just don't really like doing that. And I've built a business around the thing that I like doing, which is email marketing. And so I came up in the online course industry. That's a lot of personal brands. And, you know, I got my education and sales funnels by buying stuff and trying to pick it apart and duplicate it for myself. And a couple of years in, I realized like the things that I was doing were like really highly coercive. And I didn't really want to run a business like that. Like I started to look at my customers who were like, those systems weren't really working for them. And I had to look at why some systems work for me and not for my customers and all the people that get left behind by those methods. So I like really dialed things back a lot. I used to run like highly scaled launches and we had, you know, like a hundred affiliates and like all of, you know, like expiring bonuses, limited time offers, like all those kinds of things that worked for me, it worked for my business, but I didn't like it so much. And so I had to dial it back and like figure out a way of doing marketing that's not coercive, that actually leaves room for critical thinking. So my business today is like way different than it used to be. And it's fully scaled. 
iteration. And I like it better now because I actually get to do the thing that I really like doing, which is writing. So I write a lot of emails. They're story-based emails and I am a personal brand. So my subscribers, like many of them have been on my list for like five to seven years and they stay in the long term and continuously buy from me. And I think partly because I've built up a lot of trust with my subscribers over the years. They've seen me go through this whole journey of like aggressively selling them things and like bringing on new affiliate after new affiliate and then being like, hey, wait a second. Like, I don't think I want to do it this way. And they've kind of come with me on that whole journey. So this is where I am today. I have so many questions after that because I love it, especially in a day and age where I think we are in a copywriting shortage. I mean, if you ask any agency in the world right now, what's their pain point? It's hiring copywriters. But what was interesting is I heard your journey and your experience. You had kind of like a technical background too and almost like, I don't want to say sales, but like technical kind of sales understanding where most copywriters are very creative, at least that I've worked with on the agency side. So you have, I think, a really unique, maybe right brain, left brain kind of copywriting skill set. So my question, again, on a follow-up is, so your company helps, as a personal brand, do you help coach and train people to become better copywriters? Do you help implement email campaigns? Like, help me understand maybe your company a little bit more. Yeah, mostly email campaigns. So what I have done for many years was I had a digital program and, you know, people would go through this training and then they would be with me for 12 weeks and we would have live calls and I would edit their emails. But, you know, we were talking like 300 students at a time. So, and I would do a one hour call per week. So people would watch me write emails and I will explain the whole time, like why I'm making choices around this email and teach people things like how to write a really great hook for an email. Or I would have like 10 subject lines and explain why like this one is going to perform really well. And this one it's probably going to bomb. So I would edit and explain what I was doing as I went. And that worked. People like that. But now, because I don't have all the overhead and all the scale that I used to, I take a much smaller group of students and they get some one-on-one time with me. So, you know, whatever they're like, we can focus specifically on their business and their segments and their offers because there's so much that goes into email marketing beyond the emails. Like if you don't, I mean, starting with the most basic problem that many people are trying to sell something that their customers don't even want. So most people that come to me have that figured out. And I do say like, if you're still figuring out who your customers are and what your offers are, like you're probably not ready because that's a much larger problem that I can't solve. Like even with the best, most perfectly written email, like I've put lots of stuff out to my audience who are very well nurtured, love what I do and say they will buy anything that I make. But actually like, If I give them something they don't want, like they don't want it. So I don't solve those problems for my customers. They largely have them solved. And now we work on the emails together. We figure out who you're selling to, like how to segment to find the perfect people, how to set people up for a campaign, like well before it happens. And in my industry, like online courses, they're often sold on a really tight timeline. So it's like, there might be eight days in the year that you can sign up for this thing, or that might happen twice a year. So like, all of the stuff that happens before that offer, we write all of those things together and figure out even like grand scheme of things like what does the three months preceding this really tight offer 
what has to happen in those three months in order that this promotion is going to be successful. And we said we're going to talk about nurture over acquisition. Maybe that's what we're talking about. But actually, like the I myself, like don't really love the method of like, trying to turn new leads into customers immediately. Because in order to do that, like, especially when we're talking about an offer that's like $2,000 plus, like, you have to use a lot of coercion. So anytime my clients are running ads, or I'm running ads myself, like, I need to run the type of business where I can make that money back within 12 months, not 12 days, like those sorts of businesses, like, I think there's ways of making that work, but not for me. So a couple of questions. First is a maybe a more technical question. I don't know why my brain's going this way, but I've used so many different email platforms. I'd be curious from your perspective what platforms you like. And then I would love to understand like maybe common mistakes you see in email marketing or common like quick fixes that you see quite a bit, like really easy changes in terms of maybe even tone or like what you're talking about, a longer nurture, less salesy approach. Love to kind of dive into maybe those two topics. Okay, so the platform topic, like the answer to any what software question is like, it depends. It depends who's using it, like who's going to be in there. And it depends what you're selling. Like, I don't recommend Klaviyo for people who are selling online courses. I don't recommend MailChimp to anyone. But you know, so it depends what you're using, what you're doing, and who your support is. So I have used ActiveCampaign for a number of years. And how do I say this without disparaging ActiveCampaign? I started with ConvertKit and loved it. Like ConvertKit is a wicked tool. Their CEO, Nathan Barry, I think his, the way he markets himself as a creator is really interesting for other CEOs to look at. He does a really great job with his email marketing and his company ConvertKit is awesome. Like I love their product. I switched to ActiveCampaign because I guess ConvertKit was only a couple years old and I wanted a more robust tool that could do all these fancy things that I wanted to do. And actually, we're making the transition back to ConvertKit now. And for because it's just like it's grown so much, it's better than it's ever been. They're constantly adding great features. Like it's really a product that's made for the type of business I have for creators, personal brands, people selling digital courses. Like it's a great tool and just a great company. Their support is phenomenal. It's all of the things that Active Campaign is not. And the other thing about like the more sophisticated the tool, like whether it's Active Campaign, like Entreport, great tool, but you need someone that knows how to use it. And that takes like time, training, there's lots of things that can go wrong. And then like for super scaled companies, there's Marrow Post. But to be honest, like, when I see a marketer is using Marrow Post, I'm almost certainly going to unsubscribe. Because I know the people that use that send a high volume of emails to a high volume of customers. And also what goes along with that is often highly coercive tactics. So like, I didn't hear HubSpot in there. Oh, yeah, HubSpot. HubSpot is not used very much in my industry. Like I almost know no one who's using it. It's gotten every now and then, but it's pretty uncommon. Seems more like professional services and agencies. Yeah, I think HubSpot is definitely like, it feels like more of a corporate tool. And my customers and myself, like they're often solopreneurs or people with teams of less than five people. There was this email marketing stat that like I heard probably four years ago that like I still want to use today. And I know it's super old and it doesn't apply. But like it was like for every $1 you spend in email marketing, you get $11 at the other end. Is there 
Is that true? Is that still true today? Or is it less true because of the spam features in Gmail and, and other email platforms that are getting spam out and, and more subscribers and just so much more content happening? Is there still a major return on an investment? And has it been quantified recently? Yep, absolutely. There's a company called Litmus. And Litmus is the best place to go for email marketing statistics that are up to date. I think they run a report every single year. But actually, the study you're probably referring to was $39 to every dollar invested. But like anytime we're talking about statistics, like it's possible to look at them many different ways. And it's worth looking at Litmus's annual report because there's so many things that it's like companies who use advanced segmentation get X dollars to one. Companies who used like conditional formatting, for example, like those who are on the higher end of the 39 to one ROI, like they are absolutely using conditional formatting for their emails. And even me, like I am not as sophisticated as I used to be. And I use conditional formatting in almost every single email. And it could be something as simple as, you know, as a student in this program, you already know that blah, 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 like little things that I know about them that make the subscriber feel seen and know that this, like I am thinking about you specifically as you're reading this email. It might be the same email, but several different segments of my email list get one or two paragraphs that are just for them. Like those sorts of things can dramatically increase the ROI of email. But to say like, you know, whatever, like hire a full-time person, if you're going to get four times their salary, like, duh, why wouldn't you? It just doesn't work like that. You know, and I see this a lot on the agency creative side. In, in a lot of situations, it feels like we change the wording to be more just customer focus when we're putting copy together or when we're putting brand materials or websites or whatever, like they're very like more, we do this and we do that like braggatocious instead of like the reverse of like, here's how we help you. Here's who we've helped like you. Here's our process of, you know, just like instead of me, 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 you, you, you. Are you seeing a lot of that in the email? I kind of caught a glimpse of that or what you're saying, or is it deeper than that? Yeah. So I personally like this second person plural, which is we like, I don't like that. I barely ever use that in email, like any sort of we even for companies like this applies across the board. One of the probably you actually said like, what's one tweak that people could make? Yes. Here it is. Listen up. This is the tweak. Listen up, everybody. Here we go. Speak to your customers as though it's a one-to-one conversation. Like, it's me talking to you. That is the magic of email marketing. And that's when it can really do something special. And what that means is like the from name, like it should have a name on it, like someone's name, even if it's not a real person, like someone's name instead of XYZ company as the from name, it's Jason from XYZ company, or, you know, there's lots of formats for the from name, but it needs to come from a person. The more it doesn't come from a person, the more it feels like something that's for everybody, something that can just like go into my promotions tab and be forgotten about forever. Like it works better in my industry. This doesn't go for all industries, but often it does work better when it's actually coming from a person and I can speak to you, the person on the other end of the screen, your needs and what you need. Usually I'm writing in the first person, actually for me, 100% of the time. And many companies, like they use this we thing, which is a giveaway that it's like, it's not really a person, it's a company. And people want to talk to a person. They don't want to talk to companies. 
I think that's brilliant. And I think it is missed often in email. I'll be the first one to admit, like email is probably the one area of marketing communications I struggle with the most. You know, I have a 15 year old group of ad agencies and I've never done an email campaign for us, mostly because I'm probably lazy. And in other ways, I just see all my competitors pump out emails and I'm just like, no, I'm not doing that. We'll just go social. Right. And I do think it's a missed opportunity. I know I'm, I'm missing it. I'm completely missing it. It pisses me off because I know that's an area like I personally, like admittedly can do way better at. How can maybe other people in that, you know, scenario like me, like, is there an easier way to get started? Is like, how can we maybe reframe like our bias to where email is? I mean, we know it works, but maybe it's the time, maybe it's getting the list together. Maybe it's, you know, is this monthly? Is this quarterly? Is this weekly? Like, I do feel like especially a lot of tech companies in our business, you know, SaaS companies, agencies, a lot of these professional service companies out there, I do think they feel stuck. Is there a way that maybe they don't feel stuck? Yeah, well, I think figuring out what it's going to be is the first thing. Like, you're showing up every single week and doing a podcast. Like, it's obviously systematized. You know exactly what you're doing. You know when it's coming out. And you have a team of people supporting you to get this thing out. Like, it's the exact same thing. And I would say that, like, having help is, like, so critical. Like, there is no need for you to be doing this on your own, especially given that, like, we have AI tools that can write in your own voice better than you can. So having someone on your team to help you get this thing out each week is like really will change everything. Like it doesn't need to be something that you have to do yourself. I definitely have supported clients like that in the past and it absolutely worked. Like you need someone who's skilled. Like you can't give this to a junior and say, go use chat GPT to write an email about X, Y, Z. But it is such an opportunity because there aren't that many founders that are doing this. And like, I love emails from SaaS founders. Like there's some of the most interesting emails I get. Like there's so tapped in, they know things that nobody else knows. Like, I think there's also a bigger question here. And I've definitely been accused of making email all about feelings, especially from like bro marketers. But I do think there is something important to examine here. That's like, what do I have to say? That's like worth taking time in the inbox. And also like, I don't want to be one of those people in the inbox that I hate. And you know, like anything, it takes time. Like your first couple emails might not be great. And that's okay. What about the uploading of the list? Like, how do you, is it your contacts? Like, oh, great. Yeah. In? Like, I think I'm getting hung up on even stupid shit like that. Oh, no, that's a really great question. Really important question because chances are the company has a list. So let's say, let's just say I'm a CEO, my company has a list, and I'm wondering what do I do as a CEO? So the company's probably doing something with the list and that's cool. I think at a minimum, it would be super cool to have like a letter from the CEO like quarterly that can like come in that person's name. It can go to the same list. Like you can have people, you can give people the option to segment themselves out of that email if they don't want it. But that's like a step one. I would also recommend on the side, building a list of your own that you can take with you to all of your future companies. Like you're Scott and you belong to a lot of different companies and a lot of different things. Like I am interested in what you have to say as Scott 
which is different from Scott, the CEO of this agency or that agency, right? So building a list on your own, really important. I would go back to ConvertKit as like the easiest tool. Their landing page templates are really simple and beautiful, but like getting a list that people opted into is so critical because we're definitely taught, we are firmly in the realm of permission-based marketing, like even beyond like download my special thing so that you can join my email list. Like forget about that. Like I want people to actually, when I do podcast interviews or publicity or whatever, like the expectation is at the end, I say like, go to tarzank.com slash email and get my free 10 email promo sequence, blah, 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 blah. Actually, I don't care about that. And I want people to join my email list because they want to know what Tarzan has to say about email. So as you're building your own list, the idea is like, hey, I'm Scott and I have something to say about this industry. Join my email list to be one of the insiders that get to know. I love this. You know, forget the podcast and everyone listening. This is just my personal way of figuring out my own problems. (laughs) But maybe you guys are in the same boat. I mean, I produce content on social every day. I I write articles for, you know, ad week and all this ways. I produce a, a podcast, but like email, I'm stuck. And this is super helpful. I do think... One thing that my mentor a year ago, maybe two years ago, told me, and this is part of the reason I started the podcast, is my mentor's older. He's in multifamily. He's he's done very well in multifamily. And he's produced a bunch of books. He's written a bunch of books with Robert Kiyosaki and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I go and he started this podcast. I remember being so like, not like judgy, like I'm a jerk judgy, but just like, oh, that's so cute. My old mentor, like he's doing this podcast. Oh, that's funny. He had like this little mic and like, I'm like, oh man, like he's got a lot to learn. Like this isn't produced well because I was a you know production snob and blah, blah, blah. And I went on his podcast and like six months later, he's like, oh yeah, I'm making like 200 grand a month on YouTube, you know, because no one knows how to invest in multifamily. So it's like a really top performing ad keyword on YouTube. Anyway, he's gone crazy. He's producing all this stuff. Now he's producing events. And he just, he's gone down this path of the last two years. And it taught me. And what he said was, he said, Scott, we're in the year of the personal brand. And you said it too. I do think people that are leveraging and having the guts to go forward with a personal brand are going to do really well. It's part of the reason I've gone down this journey from a personal brand standpoint. I'd rather my companies carry the flag personally. I'd rather not be a personal brand and just, you know, be low profile and do my thing. But I just think to your point about the email too, of having a name behind it, I just think there's so much more power when someone's name is there and it's somebody talking to you in an intimate setting. And it sounds like email, which we had a podcast a a couple of weeks ago and and the word that came out from this genius from Wyden Kennedy, who I was so excited on the show is the word intimacy. And it sounds like an email format, you have this opportunity and the way you can write with personality, love and intimacy and connection, like that's a format available and ready to be taken down. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I also want to say like, my email list, like my favorite part of my whole job is reading replies from my email subscribers. And there's a lot of information there. Like they tell me what they're struggling with. Like that's usable voice of customer data that's being consistently fed to my inbox. And also it's just like, it's relationship building. Like I have people who will buy something from me, like, and tell me they had a conversation with me like three years ago that I completely forgot. Then here they are, they're back. They've been in the background all this time. They finally come around to buying something. But I just want to skip back to what you were talking about earlier, like resistance that some people have. Like, I think there's a lot of like people really poo poo the idea of being a thought leader 
it's almost like a dirty word now, or it's like so egotistical to want to be a thought leader. I love the idea of thought leadership. I'm like the brains of high performing people who are managing like hundreds or even thousands of employees and like building companies, like doing things that are scary, that require like so much courage that have like more tenacity than most people in the whole world. Like I want to hear from those people. Like you are different. Like you are experiencing something that most of the rest of us never even come close to. Like there's perspective there that other people don't have. And if you can just get over like worrying about how people see you or people think that you have a big ego, like, so what? Like you have something to say, and this isn't about putting yourself above everyone else. It's about connection, learning from each other. I want to challenge people out there because what you said, like almost literally makes me want to cry because I started producing content two years ago and the first six months was horrible. I got made fun of and I felt weird. And I'm like, am I doing this like to be cool on Instagram? Like I like so many mixed emotions. I knew it was the right business strategy. I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And frankly, that I had to do for my companies, but it was horrible. And so I'm sure and I've seen other people go out there and when you're doing something different and trying to make moves, like people are going to slam you down. It's just kind of, I think, how life works. So maybe don't get discouraged out there if you guys are starting to produce content. I promise I've been there. I've seen other people have certainly been there. And then after, I think people are like waiting to see when, when you're going to quit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really do. And once I told my guy, Hui, who I love, who's I've been producing content with, who's, he started his own business, he used to work for us, and now he's got his own content business. And he's gone through the challenges of being an entrepreneur. And it's like, dude, we started this two years ago. It was kind of his vision too. He kind of believed in me. Anyway, maybe final thoughts because I want to get into the next episode as people have heard this episode. And I want to just get all this like quick tips and tricks to email, like get in maybe into the weeds a little bit more. I'm sure we had a title for the episode and I'll talk about it in a second, but maybe quick final thoughts. And then I want to tease everyone to come back because now we're like, motivated to do email, like once we get into it, like help us with some maybe mistakes or shortcuts or easy ways to get it going. Sure, sure. Okay, well, two of the most basic things, maybe these are too basic, but split testing your subject lines, absolutely essential, like definitely split testing to every email, like split testing and resending to unopens will dramatically improve your open rate over time. And not only split testing them, but also making sure that you review them, like, or whoever's writing those subject lines is actually going back and trying to understand, like, what the customers are actually responding to. And over time, that will make a dramatic difference. So if you're going to split test, like, it will help even if you never review it. But the bonus of split testing is the more you learn about what your list likes to see, the more you can just write those types of subject lines. I've been doing this for so many years that even when I'm writing my four subject lines for every weekly email, like I basically already know which one's going to perform and I'm almost never wrong. That's seven years of writing and reviewing. Is there a way to find copywriters for specific emails like at scale? Or is that something that people can contact you about? Yes, of course, they can contact me. I'm pretty connected. And sometimes I write for people when I feel like it's an interesting project. But yeah, there are certainly copywriters who are educated in this industry. Like they often call themselves conversion copywriters. Although if they call themselves a conversion copywriter, like that can also be a buzzword. They might have heard someone call themselves that. So you do want to know like what is their experience and test them out. Like do a test project, see what they do. Like it's pretty easy to tell 
call a great copywriter right away based on the questions that they're going to ask. How much time do they spend trying to get to know your audience? Like, what can they deduce about like what your problems are and how you could do better? Like, if you hire a copywriter, like you either pay someone really well who's already trained and knows what they're doing, or you hire someone who's junior and you have to train them exactly what to do. And both ways can work. I mean, I'm in the copywriting industry, so I know so many. And I know really talented ones who know the value of their work. I also know people who aren't great, but they know the value of a good copywriter's work and are just charging the same rate. So, you know, like you have to like find someone who will ask the right questions and who seems smart, like any other position in any company. I just think hands down in this industry, there is a copywriter shortage. And I think copywriters make all creative work in any channel way better. And having the best of the best work on your stuff, whether that's a headline for an ad, an email, a social post, a freaking television commercial, working with influencers, whatever it is, copywriters flat out just make things better. And they're hard to find. So when you find them that are good, especially the freelance ones, I've been working with some for 15 years on the ad side, on, on the campaign side, and they're just worth weight in gold. And if you even talk to agencies, it's not really even... A lot of times, and, and I'm speaking generally like the creative directors or the art directors or even the chief creative officers that are really producing the best work, it's the best copywriters. And what makes good creative directors, I think, is finding those people and having those people within their network and knowing when and how to use them. That's why those people are making crazy money at a high level, running a lot of campaigns for some of the big agencies. But if you ask him, the star scorer, the most talented guy on the football team is really the copywriter. And I've seen it. So just, you know, a little side note on maybe a copywriting tangent. Yeah, get a referral to like, you don't want to just going out there and trying to pick a great copywriter without like going through someone is hard. And if you're going to do that, like actually talk to their referrals. Because the other thing is like copywriters know how to make things sound great. Like, look what this client said. Look what this client said. Like, actually go talk to the client. I wouldn't trust the testimonial and see what the experience was. Because yeah, a lot of copywriters like in my industry in online course, where it's a lot of personal brands, like I've seen so many copywriters who are doing great work for their clients. And then they're like, yo, like I could have this business myself because it's not that complex a business model. So they can go make just as much money and work less running a smaller version of the same type of business. A hundred percent. I've seen that a million times too, unfortunately. Right. We got more tips and tricks next episode. Big thanks to Tarzan K, writer and marketing teacher at Tarzan K Global for joining us. In part two of this interview, like I talked about, I think our technical title is how to build brands with low tech email marketing campaigns. But I want to get in the weeds a little bit more of, of email campaigns and how to win in the space. If you can't wait till the next episode, you want to learn more about Tarzan, which which I definitely do. So join our email subscriber list. If you want LinkedIn profile of Tarzan, of course, we're going to put it in our show notes at our website, rebrandpod.com. You can find her on Twitter, T-A-R-Z-A-N underscore K. K-A-Y, or the company website at tarzank.com. You can find me on all the social channels, just at Scott Harkey, Rebrand Pod. You'll find show episodes, like anything you want is obviously there. You know, we're building up our subscriber list. I mean, the big thing for us, our, our KPI is subscribers to our podcast. New stat update, we're almost at 7,000 subscribers, which is insane. So thank you. I literally can't believe it. 
But thanks for the support. We're building that marketing community, which I love. And we're trying to get better at this craft of marketing every day. So that's it for today. But remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. 